0: Welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. To find out more and to become a member, visit PCAPainted.org. Find more great content like this on PCA Overdrive. A subscription to the platform is included with membership. For all of you non-members out there, sign up for a free trial. PCA Overdrive is available on the App Store and Google Play. You're watching Contractor Evolution where we unpack the systems, tactics, and skills you need to take your fast-growing contracting business to the next level. You're here to learn what it takes to scale up, work less, and increase profitability. You've come to the right place. Stay tuned to learn what separates the new breed of contractor from the old school, and welcome to your ultimate guide on the business of contracting. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Contractor Evolution. This is your host, Benji, and today I'm gonna say a few words about problem solving. A wise man once told me that leaders make problems go away. It's been my experience and I feel confident assuming it's been yours too, that people are generally much better problem identifiers, problem finders than they are problem solvers, right? This CRM's reporting sucks. We have no training manuals for our new field staff. Our, our website looks really old and doesn't convert. The utility trailer has a busted taillight. Or these drywallers we have on this job are absolutely useless. The list goes on and on and on. Here's the thing though. Spotting issues, problems, or things that could be improved requires almost no talent. It just isn't that hard because hardwired into our central nervous system is the ability to feel pain and discomfort. Human beings are literally coded to notice what bothers them, which helps to explain why your experience as a leader often feels like an endless barrage of complaints and grievances. On any given week, your team is going to put forward a litany of issues and then look at you expectantly like they've really done something remarkable. To put this another way, employees drop problems in your lap as consistently as a golden retriever drops a tennis ball at your feet. You throw the ball, that buys you about 10 seconds until they're sprinting back for another toss. You fix the problem, that buys you a week, maybe two if you're lucky, but inevitably they return with yet another thing they want to bring to your attention. Let me be clear. I'm not saying your staff are golden retrievers. They're talented, hardworking, and deserving of praise. With that out of the way, what I am saying is that the impulse to identify and report issues is very common. It's a dime a dozen. The capacity and intellect to actually solve those problems, however, is extremely rare. And that's why you more than likely do most of it for your business. This is a major problem because as much as you take pride in your ability to lead change and make improvements, there's only one of you. And as your business grows, so does the volume and the complexity of the problems it has to deal with. Things tend towards chaos. The bigger it gets, the messier it gets. That's entropy 101. So if you're poised for growth, and if you listen to this podcast, there's a good chance you are, we need to talk about problem solving, what it is, how to interview for it, and even how to develop it with the team you already have. At Breakthrough Academy, we define this trait quite simply. It's the ability to find solutions to problems and look at challenges with a positive attitude. So right there, there's a find solutions part and a positive attitude part. And I actually want to unpack both for a second. Let's start with a positive attitude bit. Most problem solvers, in my experience, are glass half full people. I'm sure some psychologists with a bunch of letters beside their name could provide a more nuanced and science-based explanation as to why this is, but here's my take. A track record of making problems go away provides a base level of confidence and calmness even. That's pretty easy to detect. They generally approach roadblocks with an air of, it'll be okay, we'll figure this out. Because they will, as they have many times before. People who lack this trait, on the other hand, tend to be a bit more doom and gloom. This is effed. That's broken. We're all going to (laughs) die. I'm exaggerating a little to make the point, but you get it. Their lack of a track record making problems go away makes them loom much larger and adds a streak of cynicism, which is pretty easy to spot once you know to look for it. Now, the find solutions part. This is a little harder to quantify. So... Let's talk about a couple questions you would use if you were interviewing a candidate for a role that required a high degree of problem solving. When you're sitting down with a candidate, ask them this, hey, can you tell me about a problem that existed at your previous job that needed your attention? Pay attention to the complexity of the example they give. Was it large and thorny, or was it pretty straightforward? Next, I would ask them, How did you know this was a problem? Why did you know you needed to solve it? And here you're looking for how sharply tuned their spidey sense is. Did they become aware of this issue on their own accord, from careful observation and an understanding of the business's needs, or were they told to go do something by their boss? This will tell you a lot about how proactive they are when it comes to identifying issues. From there, I would ask them this. What were the steps you took to solve the problem? And what challenges did you encounter along the way? You could make the case this is the most important question because based on the response, you'll be able to tell how good at completing puzzles they are. You'll be able to tell how deeply and widely they can analyze systems as well as their ability to follow through and implement solutions. A strong example here would be something like this. Just go along with me for a second. At my last job, employee morale was super low, and as a result, we dealt with pretty significant turnover. Less than half of the people we hired ever hit the one-year mark. This was obviously pretty expensive for the business financially, and not to mention it was just not that fun of a place to work. So I reflected on some stats to make sure my suspicions were correct, and then I let my employer know this is something I wanted to help fix. So I scheduled some one-on-one meetings with all the foremen and I took copious notes. Their feedback was really instrumental. Based on the data I gathered and then the qualitative feedback I got from those foremen, it became pretty clear to me that people were leaving not because of compensation or growth opportunities. It was actually a lot simpler than that. We provide a fairly complex service and our staff were leaving because between three and six months or so, many of the new employees still didn't fully understand the process. They didn't feel independent. They didn't feel empowered. But they were all too scared to ask because they figured they were the only ones. And so they were just kind of quietly quitting to go find something else they could feel more confident in, I guess. So I worked with the same foreman to build a pretty simple training program. It included some competency models, some job site checklists, a few how-to videos that we actually hosted as private videos on YouTube. Took about a month or two to put together. We then made this part of the onboarding process for new staff and retrained a bunch of existing staff. Few people were kind of reluctant to change, so we did have to exit a couple people a few months down the road. And that was hard, but it was worth it. Okay, now pretend I'm the interviewer again. The last thing you want to ask them is, what happened in the end? Was the problem solved? And they would say something like this. Yeah, actually, our average retention went from under six months to over two years while I was working there. And our productivity, which we measured using a simple revenue dollars produced metric, went up by 18%. Okay, that there is a problem solver. You ask them for another example, or even a few, and they'll likely have them. If you go through this same line of questioning with someone without this trait, you're going to get blank stares or at best some pretty pedestrian examples. And by the way, the outcome isn't always what you're looking for. What you want to see is the process, their line of thinking and how they analyze problems. Sometimes they're going to try things and it won't work. That's totally fine, too. All you're looking for is a track record of them using their brain to solve puzzles. And in my experience, when you get good at behavioral interviewing, the writing is on the wall pretty much every time. They either got it or they don't. And the relative strength or weakness of their examples is going to tell you all you need to know. Now, the flip side to this is how do we instill this into the culture and the team we've already got? Well, here's one thing that works for us. When staff come to you with problems, instead of giving them the answer ask them three questions instead, okay? The first question is, what is the root problem here? Most of the time, they don't even know. They're frustrated, they're venting, and now they're wasting your time too. So the first step is to help them cut through their own mental noise by pushing some of the critical thinking back on them. Second question, in your professional opinion, what are three potential solutions to this problem? Now you're moving them into solutions thinking. It's a weirdly human tendency to linger on suffering and pain. So in these moments, your job as a leader is just to nudge them out of that spot and instead use their creative energy to start coming up with some options. Not all of them are going to be great. That doesn't matter. The last question you're going to ask is this. If I was stuck on a desert island right now and you couldn't reach me, what would you do? you'll be surprised at how often what they come up with is as good or even better than what you would've. And if that's the case, you just say, that sounds awesome, go do that. Give a man a fish, he'll eat for a day, teach a man to fish, you'll feed him for a lifetime. This is the same idea. If you're always the go-to person when things go wrong, you put a very low ceiling on the learning available to your team and you completely exhaust yourself in the process. So if you want to decentralize command like Jocko always talks about, start by outsourcing some of the critical thinking. Now there's a caveat to all this. None of this works if you tear people down for mistakes. If you want your team to independently make decisions and implement solutions without your involvement, you need to be prepared for them to do it differently than you would and even get it flat out wrong sometimes. And that's okay. But when people are criticized or publicly shamed for trying something that didn't work, they tend not to try it again in the future. Reward the effort and the process, and if you need to, quietly provide some feedback on how they might get a better outcome next time. This is where your evolved leadership is essential. The feeling of having a team member come to you, not simply with an issue, but with a few potential solutions, a nuanced understanding of the problem, and some genuine excitement about solving it, I'm telling you, if you've never had it, it'll bring a tear to your eye. And if you already have this dynamic with your team, consider yourself lucky and cherish those people. I think Paul Aker's, one of my favorite guests we've had on the show, says it best. Fix what bugs you. Not announce what bugs you. Not complain endlessly about what bugs you and then do nothing about it. No, fix what bugs you. Your business is going to need people who fix what bugs them. And that's what I want to leave you with. Problem solvers are way more valuable than problem finders. So this year and beyond, look for them in your external hires and develop them within your team. We'll see you next week. Thanks so much for watching this episode of Contractor Evolution. If you've already subscribed to our channel, consider sharing this episode with another contractor who you think needs to hear it. Painted podcasts are produced by the Painting Contractors Association and are made possible by members and industry partners. To find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining PCA, visit pcaPainted.org.